Welcome to episode 696 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode nine, uh, 696 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Oh, I'm not happy, Bevan. Not happy. Why not? Christmas lights are back on, wasting yeah. our power during They're the day. They're actually better lights. Oh, you upscaled, have you? Well, what happened was, John, what happened, here's what happened. The lights that we got from my mum's $1,000 Christmas tree mm. died on us. Yeah, you told us that. And so then we, we tried fixing them all the rest of it. Went to the old, not the warehouse, what's the looks, you look sharp? <laughs> it's basically like a dress up shop. But yeah. It's a pretty good dress up shop. Went there, 17 bucks each. Those lights are phenomenal. But Dom. Should be off during the day. That's, no, yeah. shit, no. You walked in, you felt Christmas, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You look like a Christmas tree right now. John's top he's wearing right now is a tribute to my lights. This is the collector's edition I am talk uh, Bright. bright yellow bike jersey. I've like never seen it before. Yeah. John, I was, I was two road rage incidents this morning. Okay. Weird. First of all, driving home from the gym. Nothing worse to me in life when somebody turns. No, when you're turning, someone goes through an orange light. Mm-hmm. Does that frustrate you? Yeah. Yep. What if it's a red light, John? Red light frustration. So, going around, I'm coming up. This guy's coming towards me in a big ute with the big thing on top. Yeah. Yeah. The big, the big. Well, what do you call those things at the front of the car to really smash bumper things bar. out? Yeah. No, not bumper. Like the big grill type thing yep <laughs> this is like another pocket square incident where we couldn't get the pocket square name out and it's really obvious but like a big thing you, you yeah. guys know what we're talking about and he, he started going through he started going putting the foot down when it was orange and he was well off yeah so i started turning yeah like, screw you beep the horn but he's keep coming and then now john he had the big thing that we don't know what the name is yeah and i'm thinking screw you so i gave him the finger i said you idiot <laughs> but i did have to stop because he was going to bowl me out of the way and was joe in the car yep he was wrong he was oh. definitely wrong yeah. And then driving home, coming down Columbus Street, the corner of He's Columbus. He's chasing you down. No, no, no. No, I think he knew he was in the wrong. Uh, so it was Anya Morrison. Right. Showing some anger to some cars. Yeah. Because what she was doing. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> she was in the corner. And she was obviously waiting for the turning light. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think a car must have beat behind her. And she turned around. She gave the angry face. And she didn't see me, but I saw I saw her. What Ian sees when she's pissed off of him. Yeah. That's what I saw. I saw the angry face. So, so team, please be calm on the road. That's That's right. That's the message. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. (laughs) Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Let's name a few, Jombo. We've got Adam Flipper Philby. I'm going to say Colin built to last. Michael Collins. And Leon... Uh, Robo Try Thedon Perry Thedon Perry It's a good name In this week's show John We've got some news We've got Hot Topic of the Week We've got Age Group of the Week We'll be doing an interview But you guys don't get to hear that next week So we'll have Geek Corner uh, We've got a high five as well We have and Questions and answers at the end John we had a few 70.3s Happen over the weekend Bahrain World Record John It was a world record <laughs> I'm glad. I really like it when I read some articles online and they they don't claim it uh, because it frustrates the crap out of me. So especially when it's short. Yeah, so quite Christian, a bit of feedback about that. Yeah, Christian Blumenfeld um, smoked Bahrain seventy point three for the third year in a row uh, in very impressive fashion. Uh, the bike was a couple of k's short. Got old Volker, the vascular Viking, uh, sent us through a post on Facebook saying it was you know nearly four k's. Yeah, but it, it was it seemed to be varying about three plus or minus sort of five hundred meters. So. Um, it's, it's significant enough. Uh, but Christian Blumfeld went 325.21. Insanely fast. So let's say they did have an extra 3K. Um, well, yeah, it's probably another, what, if you're going 40K an hour, you're sort of a minute and a half a, a kilometre, but it's a little bit quicker than that. Okay, so so five minutes. three, four, four, four minutes roughly. Okay. 329, still pretty quick. Uh, so he swam 26, he biked 152. So add five onto that, it's still a 157, uh, and then rode uh, and then ran a 10700, beating out Daniel Bakengard and Kasper Stornis in third. So a bit of a Scandinavian trifecta. And then the female side, Holly Lawrence, won for the third time in a row as well with a fantastic performance. Uh, she went 352.51 with Jody Simpson second and Claire Han third. Is that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at the boys' run time, like Bloomfield did a 107. 
And I looked at that and I thought, geez, is that one of the fastest times ever on the run course? And so I did a bit of digging. Yep. And I looked, I thought, where, where would the other fast runs be? And I thought, I had a look at 70.3 Worlds this year. And I think that was a little bit, just a little bit slower, not yep. much. But then I looked at 70.3 in South Africa. And they had the three guys going for it. Yeah. And, and Fredino ran a 106. And I remember, I remember that was accurate as well. Uh, so it's right up there, though. 107 is not mucking around in a half marathon. But would you say in this race, oh, awesome mm. but but would you say in this race the girls are a bit slow in the run yeah i, I just think because what's relative like no, now he's had a blinder then daniel did a 110 mm-hmm. uh, a couple of guys did 112s like a 121 yeah no holly lawrence can run quicker than that and but she's not the fastest runner out there okay. she's she's just she's a fantastic athlete but Obviously, there are some three world champs so. yeah she's there are faster runners than her around but everything goes in swings and roundabouts you find like i think at the moment the guys are making it in general making a really good lift across yep all dis- disciplines and distances. Um, whereas the females sort of made that shift maybe in the last little period when yeah. you know, Chrissy sort of dragged the bar up and Gwen Jorgensen dragged the bar up. But I do think the guys at the moment seem to be lifting a bit more. Um, so, yeah, it was impressive. I had a very, very quick look at the, the coverage. So they had some live coverage. It wasn't uh, wasn't like Kona-style stuff, but yep. just came went. And I, and I only literally probably looked at it for a minute. So if you watched the whole thing, and I've got it wrong, um, but a few people said there was some drafting packs out there. Did a quick scan through, and holy crap. Really? Was there a couple of packs there? And it's uh, we're, we're seeing uh, this rolling out the same chestnut again as pretty much every flat race these days. But there was some... There was some shocking drafting out there, uh, like right on the wheel. And then the other funny part that I saw was the the the, the was he the prince? Um, yeah. He rode sub two hours. Volker the Vascular Viking ran, rode sub two hours as well. And and the prince, mate, that dude is a legit athlete. They must have started behind the pro females, and he'd caught Holly Lawrence, and on the bike he was passing Holly Lawrence. Wow. And yes, I know there was probably a, pro, a bloody a bus or something in front, you know 30 meters in front and he was probably had all the security around him in terms of getting some drafting assistance but when you're passing no. holly lawrence that's he, when legit he, was in Kona, he did like a 9 10 didn't he? yeah it was pretty quick yeah yeah but he was that's remember i interviewed biking. him because he won the, the bloody corporate or well, they had like a special it's league executive challenge or something yeah, like exe- that that's right the executive challenge and i'm interviewing him, he said oh i'm so happy i won my category and i'm thinking what category you're not good <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's no, he's an athlete, isn't he? He's, that's serious. He's, yeah, you do nine hours, ten in bloody Kona, you're an athlete. Yeah. yeah. A couple of other comments, um, and, and people were firing up about, you know, the bike being short. And, yeah, it's, so, it's, was it swim sword as well? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I didn't but I just want to give them a little bit of defense on the bike, because I'm a race organizer as well, and it's, sometimes you just think it's really obvious, why don't they just chat, tack on, move the turnaround by a couple of Ks, and it's, it's straight. When the prince is doing the race, John. You yeah, think you can pull rank? You'd think in this instance you possibly could, but it's not always quite as simple as it seems. Like, for example, I'm organising a half Ironman this weekend, yeah. and but I've advertised the distance as 89 kilometres because it is 89. I think it's 89. John, and why don't you just take out an extra K? Not, no, because <laughs> the implications of that, I could go, okay, we'll just bike past transition for 500 metres and then come back. There's traffic management issues um, around that as well. It means, uh, but the main thing for me is then the traffic cannot get out of my car parking area. Um, so for people want to leave earlier they're going to be driving straight into the bike course other other times um it, it, we had a race a couple of weeks ago for the for the primary schools event and with that one we had to change the bike slightly so a preschool had access to and from their property so there's little things like that that can sometimes mean if you don't do them you're not having a race next year because the council won't give you the permits so just it is stupid and they should advertise that it's not the full 90 kilometers but sometimes there is a little bit more going on than than uh than you more than meets the eye, one would say. John, but we also had 70.3 Taupo happen over the weekend, and the young fella didn't quite come through, but third uh, boys race. Let's do, let's do the woman's handle wells from New Zealand, took it out. She, wins, she wins just about bloody every race she does these days. She's yeah, going great well. guns. So she mm-hmm. beat out Felicity uh, Sheedy Ryan by about three minutes, and um, Grace Thick from Australia in third. Um, yeah, I predicted Hayden Wild might absolutely tear it up, and he did run pretty fast. But he the ran bike, 12. I thought he's good on the bike. He is. He's a weapon on the bike. Well, but not this day. He's uh, he's off season. I don't know if there was if he had any issues on the bike. Maybe he did. Um, but he's off-season, so I, I just still thought he would light it up. But Kyle Smith, who's a Kiwi fella, he's got, I think he got 11th at the Under-23 Worlds. Um, he was first, Max Newman second, and Hayden Wild only managed third. So 
I don't know how many slots are worth uh, Taupo 70.3, but I suspect possibly not three. So that was uh, that was Taupo. Then also we had Indian Wells. Yeah, and Lionel Sanders back in the game. Uh, what do you think is happening with his career? Do you, do you think next year he's a contender? We'll come to that later, shall we? Okay. And then when we're talking about the people who haven't, uh, haven't, who, won. Who haven't won Kona. But still, great performance. He ran a 112.31. Beat out a good field, uh, went for uh, 3.43, winning by about four minutes over e- Eric Lagerstrom. And the female side, Paula Finlay, used to be a ITU rock star. We're seeing a few of these females um, that used to be great ITU athletes um, may, starting to make a bit of a resurgence in their long-distance racing. She took it out by, geez, uh, seven or eight minutes over Alyssa Dola. Good old, good old, good old Melissa Dola. Okay, we are pretty I, much... I would have got that pronunciation 100% wrong. Oh, you know... So I'm not happy that you repeated my, okay, my sorry. misdemeanors there. That was kind of another thought. One other thing that did happen in the Bahrain 70.3 is they had the dream team. So they've got a top swimmer, top cyclist, and a top runner. And the athletes were... Who were they, John? We had... Uh, I'm not sure who the swimmer was, but the cyclist was Mark Cavendish. So if you don't know who he is, he's... Uh, uh, I don't know how many times, how many sprint stages he won on the Tour de France, but it was a lot. He was... By far the world's he's premier sprinter. Now, isn't he? Uh, no, he's still, still riding, but he's very much on the the decline of his career. This one was Chloe McCardle. Okay, yep. and then they had uh, Sir Mo Farah doing the run league. If you don't know who he is, uh, multiple Olympic champion, won the. 5,000, 10,000, I think, at the last Olympics. Yep. Uh, and, and the previous one, I think he won the five. I'm not sure if he did the double there as well. Yep. But very impressive. And he's now... But controversial at the moment with, yes, with the coaching stuff. Yes, because he was involved with Al- Alberto Salazar. What's happened there? Um, well, they've taken... Uh, Alberto Salazar has been uh, completely torched. But the athletes, Russia overnight. Sorry? With Russia. Yeah, Russia's out of there. Same as... Uh, last winter olympics wasn't it they weren't yeah. allowed to compete yeah so, so anyway that was a dream team and uh good old big blue christian blumenfeld took them out across so, all disciplines so they so the dream team elite swimmer elite cyclist and elite runner uh they swam 25.50 biked 154.46 and then ran 107.10 blumenfeld swam 22.26 biked 152.03 and ran 107 now let's be honest it's a training day for these guys but still you'd think that they'd beat them You'd, th- you'd think so. Um, well, no, you'd, you'd, uh, where I would have thought he would have got beaten was be by Mo Farah. Mark Cavendish is on the decline of his, he was a sprinter. This is a 90k time trial. So I would kind of say, yeah, maybe not. And the swimmer, depends, I'm not, I've got no idea about swimmers, so I don't really know what calibre she was at. But Christian Blumenfeld isn't the strongest swimmer. Um, so I would have expected probably well, to get swam, taken down swam, there. Um, he swam three minutes faster than her. Three minutes? Yep. Holy smokes! Uh, and then, when, but when it comes to Mo Farah, you know, so his, I don't know what training he'd, day. Uh, yeah, but he he'd probably run a, f- a high fifty-eight. I'm not sure what the world record is. Is it low fifty-eight? Uh, it's fifty-eight or something like that. Um, so for Mo Farah to run nine minutes slower than that, it's still a tempo run. It's not like you're just jogging around. But you know, if, if I think if I was to go out and run ten minutes slower than my half marathon, and it's not comparing like for like, it's different for those guys. Um, but it would still be an, an honest effort, but not uh, certainly not a. For my quick Google search here right now, John, his fastest time is fifty nine thirty two. Right, and it, so he was eight minutes and slower. A half. Yeah, it might not be accurate. It's just literally from one quick Google search, but somewhere around that. Yeah, so that looked like there was a whole bunch of them out there for. <laughs> For the, like the Bahrain 13 tri team, and Brownlee was out there, and Fredino was out there. It was interesting, they were standing next to each other in a photo. I thought, I wonder what, if they've had a chat today. Uh, and then BFFs. there was Cavendish, and there was Mo Farah, and all basically most of the Bahrain 13 team were there. So uh, I think that's why they were there to do a relay and uh, meet the local community and get them engaged. Good old Brett. Wah! Chan sent through an article about Gwen Jorgensen saying she's pretty much given up on the Olympic marathon, at least for the Tokyo marathon. Mm. The Tokyo Marathon for the Olympics. And going to focus on uh, trying to make the 10K. And, and really? No. I don't give her any <laughs> chance at all. No. But she's good on her. you got to oh, play. Is it? Has is it, is it been a foolish career decision? Well. You're an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Dominating a sport. Mm-hmm. But if you've had, if you've had your time. But had in triathlon, time? Well, no. If, if you're not motivated to carry on, I'd say give up. But then going... Going off and doing this so publicly is—it uh, must be bloody hard. Uh, she, I, I'm impressed that she's still cracking on with it. Is it a waste? I, I get it personally. I, you know, you're like, hey, you, you got to trace your own life. Good mm-hmm. on her. 
I reckon you're better off going out on the top than struggling through four years and then getting beaten. We've seen it happen so many times before. Well, but she's not even getting beaten. She's not even making it to the Oh, to no, the but if, if she'd carried on. So the argument oh. is if you carried on with triathlon and you're not really in love with it, but, it's but pretty she's hard. she's 33 now. Mm-hmm. She could have got to, like, Tokyo's oh, She could have got there, but if the desire's not there, you're going to get smoked. I don't know. I think, she's, I think it's a waste. Who's is phone? Is it you? That's me. You and your bloody phone. No, it's, no, it's my Skype. I don't know what's... Going on here. Sort it out, mate. We're, yeah. we're trying to be professional here, mate. Yeah, we're real professional. Anyway, Gwen Jorgensen, she's going to try to focus on the 10K. She's re- sort of more or less run out of time to get herself ready for the marathon. She said the desire's still there. She had some but, injury as well. Yeah, run out, run out of time. And so she's going to try to make the 10K. But, geez, that's a, it's a big ask. And, and at 33, maybe 34 by next year, the next Olympics, Paris. Oh, still for for a marathon runner, still got a chance, no chance of winning, but of making it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say she's got a, a better okay. than average chance. I'm going to say no. Okay. Oh, here's my prediction: we're All not right. going to see her at the Olympics mm-hmm. in 2024. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, guys, I like taking a risk. Taking a risk. <laughs> um, okay, coming up this weekend, John, what races have we got? We have got uh, we're probably the final weekend of racing. Another one of these sort of extreme races uh, based off Norseman, the Fodexman in Fodix. Santa Catarina. So it's in Brazil. And pretty much like Norseman, where you've got a couple of different sort of finishing spots. You've got like your low point and your, and your high point. Crazy ass swim, crazy ass bike, and crazy ass run. Um, they've had it's the fourth year they've had it. 2016 was the first time they had two, four, six, seven finishes. First one was 12 hours and 46 minutes. The next year they had uh, a few more. Plus they had some base finishes, so probably tripled their numbers. Still, first fastest time was about 12 hours 58. And then last year, <clears throat> even more finishes, and the time dropped down to 12:09 with the slowest athletes doing 15:10. So yeah, my final race of the season is the Fodix Man X Try. Good times, good times. Well, John's IT update. Now this is pretty interesting. This news. So ITU have launched something that is a bit out of left field. So it's the ITU launches the Winter Triathlon World Cup. It's going to be held in China, and they're going to basically be uh, the discipline. It's going to be in Asiago. So it's we'll a the run World Championships bike. In, yep. What's next, John? It will be a run, a mountain bike, and a cross-country ski, all on yeah. snow. Course distances that will be uh, set to achieve a winning time of around eighty to ninety minutes. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. It's just so left field for us Kiwis. We we, we don't cross-country ski at all it doesn't really snow and much of New Zealand we get a little bit so it's quite hard to, for us to comprehend this but it'll be interesting if it takes off at all in Norway, Norway. And, and ITU have tried a few different things and just kind of wonder if they sh- should just focus Keep on their baking. core competencies yep. um, in terms of ITU distance short distance triathlon they've tried doing long distance stuff and they've got their world championships doesn't really mean that much and then they've had, tried to do a long distance series hasn't really worked out but I suppose this could be a ticket and potentially into the Winter Olympics, which I'm sure is the angle they're going for, is so um, we can have a triathlon in the Winter Olympics. Mountain yeah. biking on the snow, I've never done it, never tried it. Got to be pretty tricky. I know they put big chunky things on their tyres. their should um, come off and land on one of those. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I, 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 like, I'm, as you say, in those countries, because, you know, if you're in a cross-country skier, you probably do a running and a bit of biking. And the other thing that might be quite exciting, it might be quite interesting TV watching in terms of mountain biking, and you might see quite a few spills and things like that, yeah. which is always entertaining to oh, watch. We love watching people who have adversity, yeah. crashes. Okay, John, this week's discussion, this week's discussion, we're basically going back to the good old chestnut of who is the greatest not to win an Ironman World Championship. And uh, this, and we kind of said over all time, didn't we? So let's, let's dig into it, Jumbo. Okay, I'm just waiting for my Facebook. So my to trying to, that's why yeah. I passed it to you. Pass it to me. <laughs> oh, I've got it. John. Tim Hemmings says, Rachel Joyce, uh, twice runner-up and a third place, but more for the ones that got away. In 2012, had every chance to be her year, only to get sick heading into the race. That's right. In 2014, when Carfrey won in only nine hours, Joyce didn't have a marathon she was capable of and just came in just three minutes short. I do agree. Jo- Joycey was... Uh, I'll, I'll just have my discussion shortly. Uh, i got... Uh, Lassie Jensen in terms of who were dominating outside of Kona uh, and got really close to a win Andreas Ruelu and Caroline Stefan are probably the ones that come to mind in recent years 
Chief of the Explosion Curry said men would be Raylert and Volhanaka, and in the females, uh, he reckons Stefan and Joyce, both classy and just never quite got it in Kona. Yeah. Uh, Luke K, uh, guys like Brownlee, Raylert, Bazzoni uh, have all won big races several times. That's true. I have indeed. Terenzo and T.O. says Darren Whelan. David Hale's got Brownie. Dominated his home race and almost cracked Kona, just didn't have the perfect day he needed. Um, Aaron Lee Andy Potts. He hasn't really got close, but he's a great athlete. Yeah, good old Dino Gaskin's got, obviously, Craig Kirkwood. Yes. <laughs> Often the fastest runner. Yeah. Uh, 213 to grace the start line in Kona, brewing an excessive barbecue issues on the Big Island News to catch up with him. Still rated highly plus plus. Pedro Acker, Simon Lessing. Now, does Simon Lessing ever do Kona? I think he must have done, because I remember he won Lake Placid. He must have done it a couple of times, but he never did got anywhere. No, Ben Colbert has got, yep, has to be on Raylert, but Kiwis will appreciate Cam Brown, who dominated many races, especially in New Zealand, but not in Kona. Rob Dalymore says Lisa Bentley and a Brownie. So Lisa Bentley definitely got on the podium in Kona. I'm sure she did, but not super frequently, but she was really consistently in the sort of top five, top ten. Um, just anyone else who's different here. Um, most, lots of brownie calls. Oh, Bevan and John. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Lots Marcel. of Andre, uh, quite a few Andreas Raylerts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lance Armstrong. Yeah. It's by Diane Moore. That's a good one. So I think we've, we have had this discussion in the past, and I've sort of gone through people, guys and girls that were in the sort of 80s and 90s and maybe early 2000s. So I was just going to focus on sort of the more the recent only, ones. Before you start there, I'll just say with, the only thing with brownie is I don't think brownie was ever going to win it. No, I, I totally agree with that. I love him to this. I think he's awesome. And he did. He got on the podium he several second, times. He got second and third. Yeah, um, but, but he was never really close to the win. He ran and he was. He's a brilliant athlete, and but he sort of feeds off crumbs. And yeah. there was always, you know, there's almost always going to be somebody else that fires on the day that's going to have more natural ability and firepower than he did. Because he so, both his podiums with Peter Reid won. Was that right? Uh, I think one, one was Tim DeBoom. Okay. It was in that sort of era. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, I don't think he ever really hit the lead as much. So I, I agree. He was wicked, but he wasn't. His greatest performance was Germany, wasn't it? Um, I'd well, say some, some, of his New, some of his New Zealand performances were pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, brilliant athlete, but oh, I agree. Nothing against him, but yeah, like, whereas Raylert. So if we, if we go guys first, I've got uh, Sanders, Raylert, and Van Holnacker are my three. Oh really? You put Sanders in there? Yep, because he had that opportunity um, when, when Frodo the year before last, yeah. uh, and he still did great. He got second, and he's been an athlete, though, that has dominated elsewhere in the world and put himself in contention to win that race and didn't quite win it, whereas Brownie wasn't – guys like Brownie, Tim O'Donnell, um, guys like Ben Hoffman. Yeah, like Brownie – and Tim O'Donnell is a great example. Tim O'Donnell, great athlete. Potentially, if, something, if everything else goes wrong for everyone else on the day, mm-hmm. can win Kona. He got second. Yeah, he's got second yeah. or third. And he had a blinder of the best day. Yeah. Whereas you got Frodo, who's the elite, you yeah. know. Um, and it, yeah. So I reckon Sanders. Um, Do you think Sanders is a contender? Because he's only 31. I think, that he's, I think that was his opportunity. Uh, the year yeah, before yeah, last, yeah. that was it. Uh, was the year before last? Or yeah, it was. was yeah, because last year he didn't have a great race. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was about three years ago. I think it was three years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was. Because we were there two years ago and he had a bad race. Mm. Yep. So I think that was his opportunity. Raylert had. A couple of opportunities, yep. uh, and he was awesome elsewhere. And likewise, Marino Van Holnacker, when that year he was leading going into the Energy Lab, and he didn't have to have a great run to come home. Now, he'd obviously gone too hard and completely yeah. detonated, um, but he was an athlete who got on the podium, and I think he had the credentials to, to be able to win it. So that was well, my three guys out of the Of the, the ones that you era. mentioned here, Raylut's the obvious one, because the thing about Raylut was, Raylut was everyone's pick going into Kona. Mm. You know, like Rayleigh was the first pick. Hmm. Um, you know, whereas like a Sanders, you're going, oh, if he has a good day, he can win it, but mm. we're picking Frodo. Mm. Or, you know, it'd be like a Frodo, you know, there was just a period where Rayleigh was just a beast, mm. you know, and unfortunately, just Maka got him on the day. Yeah. And the year before, Crow got, got him on the Crow got him, uh, got him once yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. On Hanukkah, anyone else just of, of recent times? No, those were, I had a little look through the list, and those were the three that started. Well, Brownlee, Brownlee, but Brownlee hasn't been in the game long enough. Yeah. No, he's still got a chance. Yeah. Uh, if if Keenley hadn't won the time that he won, I think he could be a, a real yeah. bridesman. He's had so many podiums recently. Yeah. Uh, so that was my guys on the female side. I do think Lucy Charles is in serious danger of being a. a oh, you do? A, yeah. No, I think she's in. Ser- I, I just can't. If Caroline, Ste- not Caroline Stephen, if um, Daniela Daniela Reef carries on, I can't see her getting beaten when she's not sick. Uh, and I just think there'll be a few more starting to come through now. We saw this year Anne Haug. If Anne Haug 
stays fit and healthy, uh, I think she's going to be really, really, really hard but to Lizzie beat. But Lizzie Giles has age on her side. She's only like 24 or 5. Yeah, but she's been around for a while. She's got a... She's, yeah, but still, you yeah. know, you, she's got plenty of development but in her. But then she might start popping out babies and things like that as well. So there's always so that factor in for the... the so selfish. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, she's, in, she's in danger of it. Would be at all surprised if she won one, but I think she's in real danger of that. And you see it in so many other sports. You know, when you have the, I know Lance Armstrong got disqualified from all his Tour de France, but if you were, yeah, behind who was, him, the, who was the guy who always got sick and got done Jan, as well? Jan Ulrich. Yeah, uh, he, 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 he luckily he won one Tour de France, uh, and I also had Joyce, maybe Joycey down on that list, but she wasn't such a dominator outside. No, but she is. She was probably more than like. Uh, Van Helnick, she had chances to win. Mm. Well, she had one in particular chance yeah. to, to win it and she couldn't quite grasp it. So, yeah. So it's. Um, she was, she was, she was a bit unassuming as an athlete, wasn't she? Because mm-hmm. she was a rock star. Mm. But she was just. Her personality is a bit more low key. And, mm. and when uh, she came from an age group background, she wasn't a former pro athlete and different sports. Lovely, lovely girl. Yeah. Oh, lovely woman. Uh, okay, this week's discussion is what has disappeared from triathlon that you really miss? It might be something like a website magazine, mess starts, piece of technology or a brand of sports nutrition. So just what do you what, what do you go to bed at night and just think to yourself, oh, I wish that I had this. Now, I don't go to bed missing, I'm, <laughs> wishing I missed this, but it was just for this reason this came up. Uh, triathlon, I think it was triathlonworld.com was on my sort of list of websites that I usually go it to. And it, uh, sorry? Is it died? I thought you meant the guy died. No, oh. uh, it has died. The website's down. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's a shame because they used to have some really good news articles, etc. It? It? Uh, it was Kevin McKinnon yeah. um, was the main guy behind it. So I'm not sure if it's moved elsewhere, but that was one. I was like, oh, that's a shame. That was good. Well, that is a bugger. Hmm. Well, we'll, okay, we'll talk about this one next week. Uh, John, okay, let's talk about sponsor. Extreme endurance. Do you know when a product's made it, when your wife actually starts believing it and taking it as well? Wow. So well, that works. means your wife believes you. Yes, there's uh, a rarity. Wow. Yeah. It's a win-win for you, John Newsom. So, Blinders, she's just a little bit under the weather this week. She goes straight for the immune boost. Uh. Every time now, and she finds it makes a real big difference. She said she got in bed last night, and she was feeling, starting to feel a bit better. Um, I find the same thing with so many athletes. I, I get regular emails um, from Christchurch athletes got the sniffle coming on, boom, I need some immune boost because I've, I've found in the past that it can often dig you out of that tiny little hole. If you've gone down a crevasse, you're stuck at the bottom. Oh. It's still going to be beneficial, but if you just, just at Don't that, start climbing yeah. until you've got your immune boost. <laughs> just as you're about to dip down, you think, oh, something's going to turn to crap here, hit the immune boost and it can often uh, pull you out. And I've found that myself time and time again. Uh, so check it out, immune boost. A lot of you guys in the Northern Hemisphere obviously starting to deal with winter and you're inside a lot more, so the risk of getting sick is higher. So get on X-Endurance Immune Boost. Also, if you work in a job, like I work in a job where I'm around, thousands of people each week in my life mm. um, and you know if you if you are going to be around lots of you know, all your young kids you know if you're coming mm-hmm. up to a big race and you miss two or three weeks of key training because mm-hmm. you're sick it's that's fatal to your kind Absolutely of uh, fatal John fatal you ain't coming out of it fatal <laughs> don't even turn up give up yeah. but if you got your moon boost you'll miss that fatal training you'll get it done and you have a good performance I remember well. Christmas coming <laughs> you're looking for some Christmas presents for somebody just finding it difficult or if they're a triathlete or a runner or anything like that this could be a nice little gift to get them so check it out xendurance.com or you can go through the European websites uh, etc okay John I'm going to put some music on <gasps> age group of the week and this is sent through from Mark the Missile Scudamore and he's got uh I would like to nominate a good friend of mine, Jennifer Benson, as Age Group of the Week. Jennifer, who is a former practicing uh, physician, started her triathlon career back in 2018, I'm oh, sorry, 2008, at a local sprint race. Since then, she's progressed with, to a mix of sprints and Olympic races for eight years until, with some trepidation, she decided to take a challenge on Challenge of the 70.3 in Arizona in October 2017. Although the original plan was won and done for anything longer than an Olympic try, after a solid performance at Ironman Arizona 70.3, she took the big leap of faith and ventured headlong into training for a set of an Ironman distance at Ironman Arizona 
in November 2019. Jennifer attacked the training in the heat and bright sunshine of New Mexico summer with her usual detailed planning and strict discipline. She trained past many of the common injuries which athletes in their 50s are prone to end. Got used to riding with aero bars for hours on end. Always with a steady eye on making the race in Tempe ready for a good race. Along the way she completed a second 70.3 at Boulder, Colorado and a personal record time on a very hot day. This past Sunday, which is a few weeks ago now, isn't it, John? Was yep. Uh, she nervously towed to the start line of Tempe Town Lake at seven forty in the morning, and after a one forty two swim, a seven fifty three bike, and a six forty marathon, she never wavered the goal of finishing under the cutoff, crossing the finish line in sixteen hours and forty minutes with a big smile on her face. Jennifer is an awesome age group, proving that uh, if one puts their mind towards a goal, difficulty though it may be, uh, that goal can be achieved. Love it, Jennifer yeah. Benson. Rock she uh, she followed not the three year plan. She took the eight year plan or so, which is great. And if, it sounds like she hasn't come from you know, a strong sporting background. Yep. And just got to take your time. I guarantee her Ironman would be would have been so much more enjoyable when she did it than had she tried to rush it in sort of you know three years or so. Just having that extra base and skills and confidence from the short course racing. So. Love your work, Jennifer Benson. Also, also, you know, let's be honest, if someone is close to their cut-off time, it's a bit of a scary race. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you're not, you know, she, she did a, what was it, 16... 16, uh, 40. Yeah, so, you know, like, you know, 20 minutes when you're going for that long. That's not much. No, you can go wrong. And so, you've, you you know, may, 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 while it may not be the fastest athlete out there, you're still feeling pressure. Yeah, the pressure's on the whole oh, way. Oh, man, you know, and you've got to make sure you dig deep to get to that finish line. So, Jennifer, you're a rock star. And... I have respect for athletes that are out there for that long. It must oh. just be so hard on the body. Oh, um, it's a different beast, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. So Jennifer, Jennifer Benson, you are our age, age group of the week. week. Love your work. Okay, Jonbo, let's go into it. One, two, three, Geek, Geek Corner. Torsten sent this through. This is a good one. Okay, so a few weeks ago on the show, we were talking about what were the fastest Ironman distance debut races that we've seen in both the females and the males over the years. And Dawson being the geek that he is, he did the work, John. He did. Then the example I had was Agnieszka Jerks from Poland. She had an Ironman debut at Challenge Road. She did 8 hours, 48 minutes and 49 seconds. Ooh. And I said, that's got to be right up there as one of the fastest times. And it was. It ranked 2, 4, 6th. Six. Sixth. Overall. Okay, let's break it down. Let's do females first. So in fifth spot and in 8.48.40, John... Laura Phillip from Germany, I think no, she... No, no, she was first. Fifth, oh, first. Was, sorry, first. Oh, I've oh, ruined the whole build-up now, haven't I? Mate, mate, you've just given the Christmas presents before Christmas Day. <laughs> that happened at our house this morning. What do you mean? Thomas, buddy, figured out what Felicity did. She put it the present under there this morning, and... Did he say it? So he's figured it knows. out. What is it? Goal, goalkeeping gloves. Uh, but he's stoked, because he's figured. he thinks he's figured out, but he's... He, he's how did he figure it out? He went and Did you wrap it like a glove? <laughs> no. He went and played with it and then he goes and then he went downstairs and he got his goldie gloves and he figured they felt exactly the same. Uh, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna be able to confuse him a little bit. Okay, good. Uh, so eight forty eight on debut at Ironman Barcelona was Kaiser Sali from Finland. Fourth bait and an eight forty eight in Challenge Road in two thousand and nine. Kat Morrison. Jeez, what happened to Kat Morrison? She was a good chick, wasn't she? She was, yeah. She, she was a she was a hoot. She was. She made yeah. us laugh when we interviewed her. Yeah. Another person who was also a bit of a legend in the sport. Eight forty three in Ironman Austria. Mary Beth Ellis. That was in two thousand and eleven. In two thousand thirteen, and eight thirty seven at Ironman Copenhagen. Uh, Eva Wooty from Austria. And then the one we've mentioned earlier, uh, <laughs> Laura Phillip. I think she finished fourth and fourth or fifth or something in Kona. I think. Um, and she did eight eight thirty four in Barcelona. That's impressive. Man, your first race. Mm. Just I watched like, the Kona coverage, the NBC documentary. Oh, okay. Was it good? Uh, I thought it was, it was. It was pretty good. They've got a formula to stick to. Is is, is it moved? Uh, um, it's got better focus on the pros, I reckon. Okay. If I was trying to put myself in the shoes, did I not know the result? Was that a good display of the pro race? And I thought, yeah, I don't think they could have done much better, to be honest. How do they do it? Well, no, it's, they, you, you felt like it was obviously it's just a highlights package and then they insert the, the sob stories. Just an hour long? Uh, it was a little bit longer than that. I think it was maybe closer to 75 minutes okay. and that was without ads. So it must have been a two-hour show. Yeah, so I thought they did a bit better job in terms of covering the pro race. You kind of felt yeah, what the, they, they got the key moments of as it went through the and race. What were, what were the stories? Oh, they were impressive. 
Uh, one guy with a uh, double amputee from above the knee. <gasps> I didn't actually see the end to see if he finished or not. Though. <laughs> Sorry? I didn't know. I didn't skip it, but I didn't finish it. I was watching it on the trainer. I've got the rest oh, to still, okay. still to watch. I didn't just stop it because I'm a mean... John was known for not liking the sob stories. Oh, when no, we first good. started the show, John goes... We don't need sob stories. We need pros. No, that's when I didn't quite appreciate it. it was a documentary, a not a sport. Now we've got the, the live coverage. You've got a sports... Sh- yeah, that's for your sports geeks. Uh, and the documentary is... Yeah, okay, so you've got sweet. the WPT. Uh, and then there was a tragic one with a mother who'd been in a car crash. And uh, she did the Rick and Dick Hoyt sort oh, of pushing really? around. But she didn't... Ma- uh, and actually, I'm not going to ruin the story. Well, uh, you just did. <laughs> well, I don't know the end of the story oh, about the, the, other, the other one. And... Uh, was there something else? Oh, there was Iron Maori one, the Kiwi guy. Oh. Brilliant. Oh. Legend, that dude. Wicked. Was that, so, what was the story there? So Iron Maori, is, well, we have to get him on the show. Uh, we need to, don't we? Iron Maori is an organisation in New Zealand. They set Great up a race um, for getting Maoris involved in triathlon and, and, and particularly in North Island. And and it's because and, and mouldy health is a problem um, in general. Uh, and so it's it's like a lot of really overweight people. And he was an ex-gang guy. Oh yeah, really? It was it was brilliant. Oh, good stuff. And and I tell you what, it really is an amazing event. It's mm. it's special what they do. It, it mm. really just shows what triathlon can be. Mm. You know, and sure we like the fast races, but you know these kind of stories no, are pretty good fun. coverage. It's on. It's if you want to watch it, it's on the the Facebook page on the Iron Man now. Oh, that's great! Because back in the old days, someone who used to steal it off the you know <laughs> yeah, like, be up there for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, okay, so the fastest male. So in two thousand and ten, a young man by the name of Sebastian Keenlay with seven fifty nine. Jeez, that's the first race. Mm, challenge right. Did he win it? Don't know that. No. Uh, then we have eight fifty eight forty four in Florida in twenty thirteen with Philip Osplay. He was a former very good uh, ITU athlete. Yep, uh, a bit of a legend of the games. Uh, Seven fifty-six in Kings in twenty eighteen, where he didn't when he got second behind Raiden Curry. Yeah. Uh, Javier Gomez. Uh, Seven fifty-five Ironman Arizona in twenty fourteen. Brent McMahon. Uh, then uh, Seven fifty-two in Sweden in this year. I've never even heard of this dude. No. Matthias Linkscroll Pedersen. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, and then. Uh, 7.45 this year. And I'm in Barcelona, Florian Anger. The reason he went so fast, he rides a cube bike like mine. Oh, that's why? Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's the only reason. Probably exactly. done a 10-hour if he hadn't had that yeah, bike. Exactly. Simple as that, John. Yeah, John. No, I had another question there where I had for the geeks. So that's some serious fast. So if you wanted to be the fastest uh, on, on debut, you need to be sub eight hours for the guys. Here's another one for you, the geek. What's the fastest second place? <laughs> In any race, the fastest second place. Oh, there'll be Barcelona and things like that. Yeah, yeah, but I just wonder what it is. Mm. You know, you, you do a 7.45 and you get second. Kind of rips you a little bit, doesn't it? It would. Yeah. Okay, John, one, two, three, four. High, High five. five. John, you've come up with five things you possibly have not done that will help your biking. Number one, go mountain biking. Tell me about it, John. It's good for your balance, skills, etc. You might think, well... I'm just riding in a straight line. But a lot of these are the points that I'm going to make as well. It'll help you to be better balanced on the bike, uh, in the hills, if you're going to ride in bunches, if you're riding in tricky conditions. So mountain biking is great for doing that. You just don't want to fall off, then you'll be okay. Well, that's the thing, John. When you, like, I, for I me, fell off on Saturday. Luckily, it was soft landing. Well, like, I was speaking to my neighbour, actually. First time I spoke to this neighbour, and he's, he's a keen cyclist. He always sees me out on the bike. He's big time going down that mountain bike track on the hard mm-hmm. one, so he's very technical. When you say go on a mountain bike... Let's be honest, most of us aren't that skillful. Yeah. So what level? Well, it depends where you, where you live. Like in Christchurch, we're very fortunate. So if you're just going to go riding on a road, waste of time. But if we use our Christchurch example, we've got a couple of uh, mountain bike parks. We've got um, a couple in forests. So that, that would be a place where you'd start in the, in the forest where it just twists and turns and that'd be great. And then you try to advance uh, onto the hills. But ideally trying to go riding with some experienced people, which I know is easier said than done, who can give you some tips as you, as you go. But it is going to improve your, your skills and your balance and your confidence on the bike, even if you do just sort of more basic stuff. Uh, and that's going to transfer across if you're in races where you require those skills. So if you're in a particularly windy event, um, if you're more confident and comfortable on the bike, uh, you're not going to be stressing so much, you're not going to be quite so tense, and so you can focus your efforts on turning the pedals rather than staying upright. You see that massively, you know, when we go on camps or whether we go in, in races and you come across those poor riders that spend their whole time on indoor trainers, 
bit of wind or something like that, and uh, boom-cha, they're out of there. Okay, John, next thing is a track stand. So number two is learn how to do a track stand. Now, you've got a video here, which we'll put in the link to the show notes, but John, the question is, what is a track stand? A track stand is basically coming, to, the reason it's a track stand is uh, when cyclists in a velodrome are doing sprint races they'll often ride up the camber uh the side of the track and then they'll come to a standstill and they won't move and you're trying to force the other guy to 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 move so that's where the term track stand comes from and uh, i've got a global cycling network or gcn has got some lots of good tips uh in terms of how to learn skills like this or fix your bike uh so they've got a good good little clip um why would you need to learn track stand? It also sort of ties into that first point is just getting a bit more confident on the bike, um, being able to handle your bike, um, and it's, it's good when you can pull up to a set of lights and you don't have to... Well, as long as you don't fall over. As long as you don't fall over. Because we've that, haven't we? So, um, but yeah, just getting that confidence and awareness on your bike is really important and that can help you in other circumstances. So, for example... Um, I can, I'm not a great track stander, but now I'm doing a bit more mountain biking. There's times where you've kind of got to come to a, almost come to a standstill to get yourself over some rocks. Yep. Those sort of skills uh, help there. So if you don't understand what we're talking about here, it's basically just holding still. On Coming to a standstill yeah. and not moving. Yep. Uh, number three, John. Learn how to run your bike holding your seat. This is applicable to all of us. Well, I didn't actually know this until we did Epicamp. The one time we did an Epicamp race, we had to run your bike Sprint something. Do we, well, I think we had to do about four. We used to have a four hundred meter running race. Yeah, we're pushing your bike. And yeah. I, I just thought grab it at the front, and yeah. you're like amateur hours. Yeah, that's, sort it out, mate. Sort it out. Terrible. So, but but then I did do it your way, but I wasn't experienced, so it was no, just as much a disaster. You should have listened to this high five. Yeah. So the keys when you're running your bike, and this is holding onto your seat. Uh, if you're running with your handlebars, a it's slower. Um, B, you've got to sort of lean all over your bike and you risk sort of running yeah, into your pedals. you a tail drag as well, haven't you? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's all over. So you, watch the ITU guys and you'll, you'll get a grasp of what this is all about. You hold on to your seat. Some of the, We teach our juniors this and some of the key things that they don't get right is that when your bike's not vertical, it's not going not gonna to help you and you're going to be going going like around a corner the whole time so you need to have your bike vertical that's point number one Um, you need to you you can't run um, up by your handlebars you've kind of got to run behind your seat so you're more running in line with your your hands kind of slightly in front of the body yes not not like in a big long straight arm but you're running probably in line with it's probably your rear derailleur Uh, so bike vertical running behind your seat and then you've got to start developing the skills firstly to run in a straight line uh, and keep your be able to have that balance to keep your front wheel in a nice straight line and then you've got to advance it to where you can start zigzagging so going and laying some cones out and uh, all you've got to do there is just make small subtle movements with your seat and that will get your front uh, your front wheel moving a little bit so just changing the angle of your bike Um, really important skill it's a lot more comfortable to run with. Uh, you're faster, and you also look a lot better. Do you? You do. Just look cool. Okay, yeah. number th- number number four. Uh, get yourself filmed climbing and compare it to top cyclists. Use uh, usual ability to rock. Bike. I'll carry on. <laughs> so get go, go out there and get somebody to film you when you're climbing up a hill when you're out of your seat. So what you often find, and again, this comes up when we go to camps, um, is even good cyclists, uh, good good triathlete cyclists that haven't been taught how to climb get it completely wrong. And so what I mean there is often they stand out of their seat and not rocking their bike from side to side. So very unbalanced on their bikes. So simple tip is go get yourself filmed because you may have an impression of what you think you look like but it may be completely out of kilter. So get somebody to film you, have a look at what you look like, then have a look at some footage of good cyclists and you'll see how they rock their bike, keeping their front wheel uh, nice and straight, have a look at their body position uh, and and uh, make, yeah, making sure you're not sort of all over the show and making sure you, you know, you're keeping a nice straight line and your front wheel's not uh, twisting and turning. Actually John, when we think of tools to make yourself a better athlete, the, the filming thing is probably the most underutilized tool, isn't it? Absolutely it the is. The best thing you can do is film yourself doing any movement mm. and, and A, if you've got the knowledge yourself, but mm. to get someone who actually knows what they're doing to have a look. Because mm. like I was, I was coaching a lady the other night and she's really improved in running really well. And it was just a couple of things. I was like, yeah, yeah. And, I, and you know, I'm doing a track session. So each time she runs around, I'm just reinforcing messages. Grabbed my phone out, filmed her. She said, oh, you know, just seriously, film all your movements mm. in, in different environments and different, you know, and one really good thing to do 
is if you're doing a race, get somebody to film you when you're fatigued. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's one thing to move well when we're fresh, but what, often what happens with our movement patterns is they get a bit tired, and so we move a bit differently when we're fatigued. So if you learn what they are, um, film yourself. Totally. Yeah. Uh, last point, learn how to bunny hop. And again, you might be thinking, why oh, do I need to bunny bring hop? Bring out the BMX. Yeah, why do I need to bunny hop? Again, it might be if you're riding in a, not necessarily in a race, um, but if you're in a group situation and you've got to jump over something, if there's a bloody, somebody doesn't point out a hole or there's a rock or something like that, just having the ability to bunny hop uh, is, is important. And it might be that or you're like a, a grill. Yeah, you know, it's it a random might, thing on the road. It might be you're in a race and you don't know the course very well, and you come around a corner and you're not in the right place, and you've just got to jump over something. So stage one of that is being able to learn to uh, lift your front wheel, uh, and then over time, then you've got to try to learn to lift both of them again. If you just search bunny hop and put in GCN for the Global Cycling Network, they've got a little clip on on how to do that as well. And again, the, the, all these tips here are things that we are teaching our juniors, and uh, they pick that. Kids pick it up pretty quick, which is nice. Um, adults, not so much. But just being able to go up to a curb and lift your front wheel over a curb and then be able to lift the back one, it's also kind of just handy when you're out training. And if you're pulling in for a toilet break or pulling into a shop to get some food, if you can do that, it saves you going along to the next curb, plus you don't fall off your bike. Can you do the bunny hop, put the back wheel out a bit? Don't really play that game. No, neither do Don't really play <laughs> that game. With no teeth. But. One thing I need to learn is how to jump properly on a mountain bike. Can't do that What do you mean? Well. Like actually get some decent air and land it properly. When you go over, over a, a bump? jump, like okay. a, a proper jump, yeah. What's, what, what's the skill? Is it just letting go? Uh, no, there is definitely some skill about it. But I need to because you've got to lean back slightly so you lean back well, and you got to sort of push forward with your handlebars. Yeah, yeah. you've become a bit of a man of bike, aren't you? Not, but when uh, are you going to turn up here? Not in your tight shorts. John turns <laughs> up every week in tight shorts. Joe loves it, and uh, you have some some baggy shorts with the inners on. Yeah, don't think that's happening. Come on, John. Don't think that's happening. Come on, no one in the in the mountain biking world is going to accept you until while you're wearing those shorts. <laughs> okay, John Winger of the week. week. Okay, and um, the number this week, John, is ten. Ten? Why ten? Oh no, just came up. Okay. Yep. Last <laughs> week in number ten was David Peltzer. Good name. Petzer. David Petzer. Petzer. He did seventeen hours and seventeen minutes. He chose not to do any swimming. He biked six hours and thirty-one, and he ran for ten hours and forty-six. Solid amount of running in one week for thirteen activities. Uh, taking it out, and David is from Littlelitz in PA, which I guess is PA, Pennsylvania, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a guess at that. Sorry, Americans, if I got it wrong. Uh, his estimated best times this year. This is another cool thing that. Um, Strava does. 2020 for a 5K. 42 for 26 for a 10. 2020 for a 5? Nice. 20, yeah. Uh, 132 for a half and 3 hours and 10 minutes for a marathon. It's rode 4,195 kilometres in 2019 for an elevation gain of 76,000 metres. Last four weeks, Johnny's in 42 activities. Solid. Solid. Nice work. He's David Patson. All time? He's done 20,000 Ks. Yeah. Yep. You are our Wanger, Wanger of, the week. of the Week. And if you don't know what's, what uh, we talk about when we do Wanger of the Week, it's uh, joining onto Strava.com and then you go on there and just search for the I Am Talk team and then you can be part of our crew. And to give you an example, our fast, uh, biggest trainer this week was uh, Scotty Thompson. He did 26 hours and 25 minutes. And to get in the top 100 this week, you had to do... Nine hours and 48 minutes uh, was Steve Diodonis. Peter Curry just managed to, didn't have too much of an explosion. He just got in there with nine hours and 49 minutes. Good old uh, Mark Petrofessor, the Curly Freight Train, he's on here. He's yeah. in, he did the uh, Lake uh, Quinta, 70.3. Blew up his calf, still got fourth in the age group, but in and out burger at the finish line. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That is a good guy. Okay, John Bose, it's Winger of the Week. Uh, let's do questions and answers. answers. We've got a few emails about this one, but we're going to give it to Lentz, Double Nuts Deo. Deo. Oh. He's a Deo. Yeah. You've never heard that one before, John. Yeah. Um, great photo because Kelsey uh, Withrow won, which race was it, John? The 70.3. Oh, somewhere in South America. Catatona. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she was running the finish line. It's a gold photo. Gold photo. They've got the, the, the finish line shoot up. What happens? 
some age grouper comes, or it could have been a pro or an age grouper, comes past her and she's like she's literally one metre before the finish line and yeah. he's obviously taken around the outside and, she does and he's it, running what, through. She does it, what the hell's happening here? And he's, he's taking the tape. So in this guy's defence... Did he know she was If waiting? she was ambling down the finish line, what are you supposed to do? Oh, yeah, but he looks like he's sprung to it. Yeah, and, and then the other side of it is these days, if, if it's an age grouper... You've got to take it to the line yeah, because yeah. it's waves. It's probably a rolling start. Would you, you don't know. What would you do? I, if I was in that circumstance, I probably would have. If she, if she was dawdling down there, I would have run down and then I would have ducked under the finish line tape. Oh, John, you're a genius. Down. That's what. That's I the done. answer. Yeah. Duck under. Duck under. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what I would have done. That or even better. Can you do the limbo? You're right. <laughs> limbo under the finish line. You, you could try that. If you, then you would get my scorn of <coughs> you have not tried hard enough. Oh, you, come on. You do the limbo. It's like M, M from Power Cookies. Yep. I used to tell her off if she could finish the coast to coast and she could do, uh, she used to do like a... Um, but she won it. Yeah, but if you can do a um, cartwheel, I think she did a couple of times, yep. you haven't gone hard enough. Where's, where's the fun in no, life, John? you have not gone. You need to be capitulating when you go over that finish line uh, and in a board, just a heap on the side of the finish tape. Okay. That's what you need to be doing. How often have, 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 have you been there, John? Multiple times. You've seen me a couple of I times. I did one time and wrote, <laughs> you were pretty screwed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were definitely, there wasn't much, there was no cartwheels happening there. There was, there was no, no limbo happening there, no. I tell you. It's very rare. Very, very funny. Uh, that's pretty much for questions and answers. John Bo, let's talk about our patrons. We've got uh, three of our favourites today. Phil, the uh, we'll give him the fillinator. He doesn't like the material provider. Uh, Phil, the fillinator, Patterson. Oh, the, the triple P. Yeah, we could call him the triple P. Uh, three, how's that best today? Yep. Uh, the dirty little secret. And Murray, the holy hammer, Lapworth. Now, John, you've entered a race. This I have John's entered got a race. Here. John has entered a right, race. I that before. I told you I've entered a race. I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. And then the link that I've just put in there doesn't doesn't yeah, seem to want to work. The James. The James. Mountain Sports Series. So it's a race. What? Tell me about it. So I've, I've decided to go a little bit out of my comfort zone and enter a mountain biking cross triathlon. But it's kind of an endurance one. It's not like just an exterior where it's going to take So you're doing the extreme? No, I'm not doing the extreme. Because <laughs> the extreme is 10K kayak, 100K mountain bike ride. Ooh. That would really get me out of my and comfort zone. And if it's run? So it's, it's on uh, St. You're not James. you the Alp Adventure? I am. I'm, it's the St. James Mountainsports.co.nz. I'm doing the Alpine Adventure Race. So, so you're going to get in the kayak? No, I'm not. I'm doing the swim. It's a swim or kayak. So I'm oh, least, okay. hopefully I've got myself right because I don't want to kayak. Well, the Alpine Adventure Race looks... No, it is a swim. I know that. Uh, so swim 1.5Ks. Challenge here is a swim is going to be freeze your nuts off cold. Where is it? Uh, it's in Lake Tennyson, which is north of Hamner. So it's an alpine lake. Mm. It is going to be very fresh. When's this happening? In January. January the 18th, I think it is. Oh, it is. It's 37 days, 20 hours, and 40 seconds away. So I've got to swim 1.5K. How, how technical is the bike? I'm going in a bit fresh, fresh on this, and uh, a bit blind, I should say, and not overly technical, but technical enough where there'll be sections where I'm off the off the bike. So the bike's 64 kilometres with 1671 metres of climbing, so, so it's mountain take, biking. It's probably going to take three, the, four hours. Uh, yeah, this this race is going to be longer than a half Ironman, yep. um, so somewhere in the region of six hours probably. And then I've got to run 17 kilometres uh, and with 411 metres of elevation change there. So it's in this beautiful part of the country and um, called the St James Track. There's actually a, it's a walkway and it's also a mountain bike point-to-point ride, but we won't be going point-to-point. We'll be doing a triathlon. Uh, there's also a, a running race. There's a, it's like an ultra. There's a 20K, a 50K, a 100K, a uh, 100 miler. Are you sure you're not quite Yeah, I'm sure I'm not quite okay. Um, because if you can turn up, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, we've got some spear kayaks over here, mate. Get yeah, in. <laughs> have you kayaked? Sorry, not really. <laughs> you got me worried now. <laughs> got to look into this. It doesn't make it, it doesn't say or. I haven't seen an or anywhere. Did Swim you? or, it just says 1.5 run. Kylie Cox, uh, <laughs> it's also entered. Kylie, you might need to get me a kayak. <laughs> I'd love it if there's a kayak. God, that is not that is not checking the entry form very closely. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've got I've got a month to learn how to kayak. Not a lot of time. Righty ho, better check that out. Because it doesn't say there's no ore here. Oh, 
Um, yeah, no, the 1.5 swim leg and 7.7k kayaks. They just are not like dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, no. You have to break that one to Belinda. She didn't factor that in. <laughs> oh, it's going to be cold. You oh. probably thought you were going to be competitive. <laughs> now you're not. No, that's the, that's the ultimate. No, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Alpine Adventure Race. 1.5k swim, 7k kayak, 64k bike, 17k run. We could do a high five on this checking websites before you enter races. Oh dear, this is not going to go well. <laughs> this is not good. I really, I can kayak. I'm not going to fall out, but I, a, I don't have a kayak. It's challenge number one. Hold on, I'm doing the extreme. Swim 1.5k. Bike 100? Bike, mountain bike, oh bloody hell. <laughs> the extreme is... Swim 2K, bike 100, run 50s. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <sighs> oh, oh, you got the James, which is kayak 10K. You ain't doing that. No. But it's a beautiful part of the country, <laughs> and I am looking forward to doing it, and I am nervous about mountain biking that far and running off-road, and I'm going How into this. How long will 7K kayak take? I won't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he just get a DNF. Oh, he didn't dear. do the kite. He won the race by 40 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> it is a cool looking race and it's a very cool part of the country. Uh, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm looking forward <laughs> this to it. It's cool. I can't wait to hear where it goes. St. James Mountain Sports.co.nz if you want to do this race. John's doing a race. May not end up doing this race. <laughs> okay. Sponsors, John. Kylie Cox for you to find me a kayak <laughs> in a hurry. Who remains a kayaker? Yeah. Surely he's got one you can borrow. I hope so. Yeah. 7K kayak. I'm sure, I'm sure 7K kayak must take about the same as 1.5K swim. Goodness yeah, me. it can't be that long, surely. No. This could be interesting. I don't know. No, you, you kayak way faster than you swim. Mm. Yeah. Okay. John, sponsors. I, don't, I can't think at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit worried. Extreme endurance. If you want to get your email to you, go to www.imtalk.media on the bottom of the front page. Just to put your information in there. Also, we want to say a big thank you to patrons. If you want to become a patron, get a cool nickname, support the show, go on a chance to win a trip to Kona and get a gift, uh, go to www.imtalk.me. For coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. Check out my podcast, beyondjamesisles.com. Any other content like Age Group of the Week, cool websites or other feedback, you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? He's still looking, He's still looking at this website trying to figure it out. <laughs> You're doing the kayak, mate. There's no denying it. There's, there's no or, To be honest... Just thinking about this on the spot, that would make it a pretty solid challenge for oh, me. Oh, yeah. It just means I'm out there a little bit longer the than I anticipated. The problem is, is training's a real pain in the butt. I'm not doing any training for this race. That's the other challenge I'm giving myself. I'm just stick, I will do a couple of longer mountain bikes, but I'm basically doing, at the moment, I'm doing an hour a day. And that's the training I'm going to do going into like a six or seven yeah, Are you going to do race. any kayaking? Now that you've found out you're going to be kayaking? Uh, we're going to have to do something on that front. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something? Yes. So what's my guys, Bevan? I'm um, organising half Ironman this week, and it is cranking me on the time front, which is good, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's a cool venue, and I'm thankful that it's not quite as windy as it's been of late. So some of you guys around the world may have seen all the floods that's been affecting the South Island of New Zealand. Yep. and uh, cut our We've South missed Island. it, but we've had the wind. Yeah, well, it's been windy as hell, and all the rivers are in a flood, and the river that goes near, which feeds the lake that I'm doing the swim in, is uh, meant that it's all quite silty, but it should settle uh, in the last, next okay. couple of days. So, looking forward to that, Bevan. Um, what races you've got? You've got the, obviously the half Ironman. Got a half Ironman. We've got about 115 odd in that, which is great. I was my my goal was 75. Oh, great! And then we have about 150 in the short course race. Uh, maybe not quite 150, and then 50 in the junior race, and then about 30 odd runners. We're all up. We have about 400 people racing. Good so stuff. it's good times. Yeah, nice. Hmm. What else? Um, outside of that, I really don't have much of a life this week. We did Secret Santas at the weekend. Oh, what'd you get? I got some really... The budget was $60. I got some really good secateurs. Oh, you need those. And I went out I said, I'm going to go try these secateurs and I've got real crap ones. And went out there. Oh, and, bliss. And I went to... Normally, I just try to... You've got to cut real hard. It's all about your Cut really hard. And I, I thought, I haven't cut anything here. And then the tree falls down because it's just... The tree? Thing. The whole tree falls whole tree. down? It doesn't even feel like I'm cutting anything. Timber! So that was all good. Uh, it's like window wipers. That's one of those things, sharpening something in your life. Mm. Oh, John. The other thing that happened at the weekend, uh, my son Thomas 
they had this 12-hour challenge. I yeah, probably I saw, talked I saw about you this. About that. No, you yeah. didn't talk about it. Yeah, no. So a, a little mate of his, unfortunately, has got um, neuroblastoma cancer for the second time, which oh, is it's no. a tragedy. He's got a, a very sorry family situation. Any with hope? All that. Um, I'm not sure okay. at the moment. Well, good luck. Um, so Thomas is 12, and so they did a 12-hour running challenge from 6 p.m. on Saturday night to 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. So we went through the night. And Wait, so how, what were the laps? Like, how did uh, well, so you could do it however, however you wanted, and they had all tents set up, and you had a team of four, and you just... The plan was you're supposed to have somebody running the whole time. That yep. was it was basically a fundraiser. It was all a bit of fun, nothing serious, no competition, no counting laps. Yep. And so we went down there at six o'clock, and I said, "Look, I'm I'm helping with setup." So I was actually there about three, provided the finish line, provided a bunch of things, yep. got a couple of prizes, uh, and I said, "But I'm out because I've got to be, yeah. be out." So I went down at six. They take off. They are gunning at the first couple of laps, like what are you just gunning it. Twelve hours, <laughs> and. and uh, and then it got progressed just a little bit slower, and I was only there for half an hour. But I'll nip back down about 8.30, see how they're going. Still going pretty solid, but then Tom and his mate. Wait, so they went from, from 6 till 6? Yep, 12 hours. Ooh, overnight? Yep. Tom and his mate, uh, they, they decided um, we're going to do the whole thing. <laughs> when I got down there, they Tom were and, Tom, Tom and his mate were going to yeah, run 12 said, hours? Yeah, they said, we're not going to do this team now. We're, we're just going to do the whole 12 hours. Were you and, thinking, no way? There's no chance. There's no chance. And uh, they were sort of run-walking at that stage. And then, uh, and then Belinda was doing the two till six a.m. shift, so she volunteered for the for the oh, tough, tough, tough shift. And I went down about five to help with sort of pack up, and got down there at five, and it was like zombie zone. It was like Tom was limping around the track. Everyone was walking. There was not a lot of smiles. It was just getting the job done. Uh, and I think Tom ended up doing about nine hours continuous. Oh, that's pretty good. And uh, Jeez, it was almost a bit dangerous. Yeah, um, and he's a bit injured now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's for a good cause and they had to go through adversity because his little mate's going through chemo the second time and bloody yeah. hell, it's pretty rough. So that aspect uh, it was, was good. So yeah, that was uh, that was Saturday night. How's he feeling now? He's still pretty broken. <laughs> yeah, pretty tired. He, he, did, he got one hour sleep. He said in the middle of the night there was five or so people. There was like, I think it was 27 teams and he said there was only about, maybe a handful of them that actually managed to keep going. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was that was. A I saw the photo. He's, he's turning into a young man. He's, yeah, he's getting a decent bit of size on. Is he taller than you? No. No, no. Will he get taller than you? Well, Felicity will get taller than uh, Belinda apparently, according what? to you last week. No, no, boys. Oh, Thomas will Boys. Be. Yeah. Is taller, Belinda taller than you? She, she likes to think so, but no, she's about a centimetre shorter. Oh, okay. One or two centimetres. <laughs> You show who's yeah, boss. Show who's boss. Ben, what's happening in your world? Uh, it's eating season. How's your uh, eating going? My tummy is expanding. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's going. We went out to, we went to, we caught up the, the tailors on Saturday night. That was good. Jeez, oh, Kate cooks a good lamb. Put on a good lamb. In right, bit of lamb. Oh, just big bit of lamb. Right. Out of the oven. Oh, yeah. love it, John. And then she probably does the best potatoes in the world. No. No, you haven't tried hers. Okay. But you haven't tried mine. Well, you need to bring some potatoes around next Potato week. Potato competition. Because I, she, she, I, I don't know how she does it, John. Mm. I think she boils them first. That's, yeah. Does a double cook. Yeah. Is that what you do? Yeah. And sometimes you put a bit of seasoning, a bit of flour and stuff. Crunchy. Yeah. Like you just hear crunchy, crunchy, crunch. Nice. I loved it. So I had that, and then what do we have to do? Can we always do it? But we had some dessert. Then went round to Joe's. Aunties for because they're heading away for Christmas, so we kind of had a Christmas thing. Then have one dessert, John. We had two desserts. Crazy. Had a pav all over. Do you like a pav? I like a good pav. Yeah, you like a pav. Good pav cream and mm-hmm. some berries and mm-hmm. strawberries. Then after that, and I thought, I'm going all out. Yeah. Put out a trifle. I'm not a big trifle fan. No, this is a good trifle. And you know mm-hmm. the key to a trifle, John? What is the key to a good trifle? Jelly. Jelly. You put jelly in a trifle. Mm. It was a good trifle. I was happy with the trifle. Because I'm a bit like you. I'm like, uh, trifle, yeah. passable. Yeah. But lots of jelly in there. Mm-hmm. Jelly, cream, sponge. What else goes in trifle? Sherry. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Bit of fruit. And then I got, oh, this weekend I got the Les Mills party. Okay. And I'll tell you what, John, there'll be some goss next week. <laughs> because fitness people, A, they drink, they can't handle their drink. Yeah. And they get pretty immature when they get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And they all get a bit sexual. So there's always some good goss the next week around that. So I'm looking forward to that. But other than that, John, it's just eating season. Looking forward to? Here's what I'm looking forward to. Star Wars. Oh, when's that coming out? December 19th. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yep, it's the Thursday. Yep, I'll do that. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to the test. The day-nighter. The night The night test against Australia. Mm, it's always worrying. Playing Australia on cricket. I know, but we're a good team, John. Mm. Come on. 
Come on, Kiwis. Australians, the whole of New Zealand, it's like this eruption happens, not the volcano, oh, which is yeah, tragic. Yeah, yeah, is uh, tragic. But there is an eruption of noise when <laughs> David Warner goes out. Oh, it's like yeah. the whole of New Zealand yeah. just jumps Steve up Smith. You know what? Steve Smith guy is the best batter in the world of our generation. You know, made a mistake, mm. you know, and you just admire him for what he is a player. Mm. Dave Warner. <laughs> just. <laughs> is, <laughs> it rhymes of Doc. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. And, and the Poms, you killed him, but the, the Parkies let him get back. So he had <laughs> confidence. Because coming off the Pommy tour, he would have been no confidence. Yeah. But the Parkies, he's got 300 and something. Oh, no. Oh, Even I've got a quiz for you. Okay, here we go. Now, you can only answer with one word, though. So every answer you give is addicted. Okay? So you've got to, you, I'll ask you a question and your answer is addicted. So no, because kind of, you're setting me up to look like a fool. No, so, it's, it's, no, so like your relationship with um, Diet Coca-Cola, I would consider that you are... Addicted. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're um, a fool. And for me, if you put a bag of salt and vinegar chips in front of me, they ain't lasting, so I'm... You're addicted. Yeah. Uh, somebody who just wants to train the whole time, they just can't get enough of it, they are... Addicted. What went down your throat last night? <laughs> I wonder what that was in the show. No. So we were sitting at dinner the other night and Thomas pulls out this joke and we thought it was quite entertaining. <laughs> I wonder what was in the show notes because in the show notes you have... <laughs> just down the, down the hidden of the I was, I was trying to hide it from you down the bottom. You still saw he's, it. He's got what we did. You threw it last time. I was thinking, what's going on? <laughs> Pull that one out. Guaranteed laughs. I thought it wasn't too X rated for the show if our 12 year old son told us at dinner. What's cool is your boy going to? That's the question. High quality. Oh, good stuff. Well, there you go. You can, you, it's your challenge this week to pull it out. The last line you've got to go is. What went down your throat last night? Went, you go almost that faster. You almost got to be faster. Okay. You know, because yeah. you make, you know, Sandy. so bang, 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 bang. But John, love it. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.